0: Hi listeners, it's Lainey from Parcast with a Valentine's Day gift just for you. It's a special three-part crossover from my series Crimes of Passion that takes a closer look at the disturbing effects of catfishing. What happens when someone's online deceptions turn deadly? Stay tuned. And for more tales of relationships gone terribly wrong, be sure to follow Crimes of Passion free on Spotify. Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of child sex abuse material. We advise extreme caution for children under the age of 13. These days, the internet plays a huge role in romance. According to the Pew Research Center, almost half of all young adult Americans have used dating sites or apps. Most people report positive experiences, Around one-tenth say they met their long-term partner or spouse online, but others have horror stories. People naturally try to make themselves look as attractive as possible online. It's not uncommon for personal information to be embellished and profile pictures to be edited. Online relationships attract catfish, and looking for love on the internet isn't just difficult, it can be downright dangerous. Hi, I'm Lainey Hobbs, and this is Crimes of Passion, a Spotify original from ParCast. This is the third and final episode in a special three-part series on catfishing. For three weeks, we've explored how people use the internet to assume fake identities. Some catfish act out of loneliness or insecurity, while others have more sinister intentions. You can find episodes of Crimes of Passion and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our final episode centers on the ghost of Easterville. In 2011, a professional basketball player struck up an online relationship with a model. At first, it seemed like a match made in internet heaven. But soon, their romance devolved into a sordid tale of blackmail, fraud and public humiliation. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us.
1: This is not the sound of a stream running through the mountains. It's water from a leaking pipe trickling down a stairway. That's not a frog splashing into a lake. It's a piece of sheetrock falling into a puddle on a kitchen floor. And that's not a hiker taking a deep breath of mountain air. It's a homeowner. Gasping at the sight of a $12,000 water damage repair bill. 40% of homeowners have experienced water damage. Protect your home with the Moen Smart Water Monitor and Shutoff. Moen. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness
0: the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Try Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost, built for WordPress creators by WordPress experts. With 100% uptime, incredible load times, and 24 7 WordPress priority support, your sites will be lightning fast with global reach. And with Bluehost Cloud, your sites can handle surges in traffic no matter how big. Plus, you automatically get daily backups and world class security. Get started now at Bluehost.com. For most of us, the internet is a tool for socializing, working, and entertainment. But for celebrities, it's something totally different. People in the public eye are subjected to constant attention, especially online. Stars are expected to have a digital presence that's accessible for their fans. They receive all kinds of messages, offers, and requests. It's hard to know which ones they can trust. In 2012, actress Kimberly Williams-Paisley received a heart-wrenching email. A woman named Carrie said her eight-year-old daughter, Claire, was a huge fan, but Claire had a rare form of cancer called neuroblastoma. She was terminal. One of her dearest wishes was to talk to Kimberly while she still could. Apparent herself, the message broke Kimberly's heart. She vowed to do whatever she could to support Carrie and her daughter. They exchanged more emails, texts, and phone calls, As Claire grew sicker, Kimberly convinced her husband, country singer Brad Paisley, to give the eight-year-old a -a once-in-a-lifetime gift. Choking back tears, he sang Amazing Grace to Claire through the phone. Before long, Carrie called with the news they'd all been dreading. After a hard-fought battle, Claire had passed away. Kimberly wanted to share her condolences, so she asked for an address to send flowers. Carrie dodged her, saying that wouldn't be necessary. Kimberly insisted she was mourning Claire too, but Carrie still refused to share a location. The actress's sympathy turned to suspicion. Something wasn't right. Out of an abundance of caution, Kimberly and Brad called the police. They gave officers a stack of evidence, photos of Claire, letters the eight-year-old had written to them, and countless text messages and emails from her mother. Law enforcement quickly realized that the photos of Claire were images of other people's sick children stolen off online blogs. Claire didn't exist, and neither did Carrie. Using the IP address from her emails, officers discovered that she was actually a woman named Hope Jackson. Hope had made everything up. She wrote the letters from Claire herself, making her handwriting appear childlike. When the Paisleys spoke to Claire on the phone, it was actually just Hope pitching her voice higher to sound like an eight-year-old. To make matters worse, the Paisleys weren't Hope's only victims. She'd been catfishing for years. Reality television star Kate Gosselin and Wipeout host John Henson had also fallen for her scheme. Kimberly and Brad wanted retribution, not just for themselves, but for everyone Hope had tricked. However, as we discussed in the Tall Hot Blonde case, catfishing isn't technically illegal. Hope never stole money from her victims. She didn't blackmail or threaten them. She claimed she did it all for sympathy and attention. And though it was selfish, that wasn't a crime. However, she did receive something of high value under false pretenses. Their lawyer argued that Brad Paisley's private performance of Amazing Grace was worth at least $5,000. Because she'd lied to get it, Hope Jackson was charged with theft of services. She ended up behind bars. It was a sort of justice, but didn't completely address the emotional damage she'd brought on the celebrities she'd conned, as well as the family she stole pictures from. Hope is just one of many catfish who specifically target celebrities. In today's story, we'll cover another online schemer who went after the rich and famous, The Ghost of Easterville. Their story began in 2011 in sunny California. 17-year-old model Paris Dunn capitalized on the growing popularity of social networks. The suggestive photos she posted attracted a huge number of followers, 25,000 on Twitter, 87,000 on Facebook, and 370,000 on Instagram. Paris lived in a small town in Southern California, but her online following connected her to the entire world. There were countless people, mostly men, constantly begging for her attention. She was more than just confident, she felt like she could have anyone she wanted. In the fall of 2011, a certain celebrity caught her eye. She was scrolling through Facebook when she stumbled on 33-year-old Chris Anderson's profile. Most people knew him as Birdman. He was a professional basketball player who earned over $4 million a year with the NBA's Denver Nuggets. Chris's Facebook page was public, so anyone could post on it. Paris figured she didn't have anything to lose. She posted her phone number on his profile and asked him to call her. And before long, Chris reached out. He messaged her on Facebook saying, Hey, I see you're a fan. Paris was shocked that he'd actually responded, but she certainly wasn't going to question a good thing. She wrote back and the pair hit it off. Almost immediately, they started texting and sending selfies back and forth. Paris made it clear that, though she was far younger than Chris, her feelings were anything but platonic. She bought a replica of his Denver Nuggets jersey, then sent him a photo of herself wearing it. In response, he posted on Facebook, my girl looks better in my jersey than I do. A public post like that made the relationship look pretty serious. Chris already considered Paris his girlfriend, and apparently, Paris didn't find it strange that a man in his 30s would want to date a 17-year-old. It's possible she was used to getting attention from older men, or that she saw herself as being more mature than she actually was. Either way, she was just happy that he liked her. A lot. Before long, Chris was even telling his pals about her. A man named Tom Taylor reached out to Paris on Facebook. He said he was Chris's best friend and that he'd heard they were together. Paris struck up a friendship with him, too but something odd caught Paris' attention. Chris's phone number had a weird area code. She didn't think much of it at first, but then she noticed Tom's number, also started with an unusual string of digits. She looked it up and realized both phone numbers were from outside the United States. She was confused, so she asked Tom about it. He claimed they were special Google phone numbers. Tom was a professional video game player and Chris was in the NBA. They had a lot of people who would love to contact them, so they needed unique numbers. Otherwise, it would be too easy for random fans to get in touch. It was a good enough explanation for Paris. She kept talking to both men and her relationship with Chris Anderson grew more and more intimate. Then they started sending each other nude photos. Harris was only 17, but she trusted her 33-year-old boyfriend. Chris was a public figure, so she felt sure he wouldn't do anything to compromise his reputation. Things continued this way for a couple of months. They didn't talk on the phone or over video chat. Their relationship blossomed purely over text. Chris's best friend, Tom Taylor, did whatever he could to encourage their romance. In December 2011, he suggested Paris and Chris take their relationship to the next level. Pictures and messages only went so far. If they were really going to be together, he said, they should meet up in person. It was a little strange that Tom suggested the trip and not Chris, but Paris didn't seem to question it. Sometimes friends know what we want better than we do. Once Tom gave Paris a nudge, she was all for it. The only problem was her parents. They didn't know about Chris, and they wouldn't be happy about her dating someone nearly twice her age. So Paris just told her mom she was going to Denver to meet up with a boyfriend. Her mom didn't think twice about it. With that issue averted, Tom stepped in once again. He found the plane tickets, then Chris paid for everything. The weekend of December 7th, Harris soared from California to Colorado to meet a man she'd never even spoken to on the phone. When the plane landed, she was a mess of nerves. She'd been confident before, but standing in the airport, she felt uneasy. A part of her worried that this was all too good to be true, but she wanted to believe Chris was real. And now the moment of truth had come, He'd either be there to pick her up, or he wouldn't. Paris walked outside, and there he was. Standing next to a running car was the Chris Anderson. He was six ten, covered in colorful tattoos, and had his blonde hair spiked up in a mohawk. Paris was stunned. Looking at the towering basketball player, she didn't feel like her usual outgoing self. She was shy, unsure of what to say. Luckily, Chris wasn't nervous at all. He swept her into a hug, gave her a kiss, and opened the car door for her. They drove to his house, where they spent most of the weekend together. It was like a scene out of a movie, and yet something was off. At one point, Chris said he was excited to see all the Victoria's Secret lingerie Paris brought with her. Paris just stared at him. She hadn't brought any lingerie and never said she would. Later on, he asked her if she was looking forward to her trip to Africa. Again, Paris had no idea what he was talking about. And that wasn't even the weirdest part. Paris told Chris she'd been talking to his best friend, Tom Taylor. Chris said he didn't know anybody named Tom. It was all really weird but if either Paris or Chris saw any red flags, they ignored them. They spent most of the weekend having sex and watching movies. Eventually, Chris had to go to basketball practice. He left Paris alone at his home. Almost as soon as he was gone, she got a text message. Tom Taylor wanted to know how things were going. He was the only one who made the trip happen after all. Paris gave him an update. It was good, they were having fun. Tom seemed glad to hear it, but he wanted a little more. He asked Paris to find one of Chris's hats and send him a selfie of her wearing it. Paris didn't want to dig through her new boyfriend's things. She said no, and Tom left her alone. Obviously, the two men had a very odd friendship. Still, she decided not to mention the messages to her boyfriend. After Chris got home from practice, he drove Paris back to the airport and the two said their goodbyes. As Paris's plane made its way to Southern California, she reminisced on her time with the NBA star. Those weird moments between them nagged at her. Chris had such a strange sense of humor. She still didn't know why he wouldn't talk about his best friend, but she was about to find out. Coming up,
1: Paris sees Tom Taylor's dark side. Love. It's been the subject of poems, novels, music, and film. It's also been the driving force behind some of the most horrendous crimes in history. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Join me for season two of Criminal Couples and meet the lovers who took their passion to perilous lengths. Featuring standout episodes from female criminals, serial killers, solved murders, and crimes of passion, this season of Criminal Couples gets to the heart of what makes two turn to a life of murderous crime. Some couples were set off by revenge or greed, others were fueled by sex and drugs, all acted in the name of love. Discover the darker side of desire in season two of the Spotify original from ParCast, Criminal Couples. Follow for free and tune in every Monday, only on Spotify. Whether you're making a delicious family meal or a post-workout snack, choose the farm-fresh taste of Eggland's
0: best eggs. Only Eggland's best hens are fed their proprietary all-vegetarian feed. That's what makes their eggs more nutritious. With 10 times more vitamin E, 25% less saturated fat, and 6 times more vitamin D compared to ordinary eggs. Egglands Best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com to learn more.
1: This episode is brought to
0: you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no,
1: the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy.
0: Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Now, back to the story. In the fall of 2011, 17-year-old model Paris Dunn started an online relationship with 33-year-old NBA player Chris Birdman Anderson. After months of texting, they finally met in person for a romantic weekend. It was fun, but the trip left Paris with some lingering questions. Everything was great with Chris, they still texted each other constantly, but things were getting weird with his best friend Tom Taylor. After the Denver trip, Tom started making odd requests, some of which crossed ethical and legal lines. For example, in February 2012, he asked Paris to fly to Indiana to steal information from another professional video game player. Paris didn't understand why Tom wanted the details or why he thought she'd be able to go to Indiana at the drop of a hat. But she didn't bother to ask any of those questions. She just wanted the conversation to end, so she just told him no. But Tom wouldn't back down. For some reason, when Paris refused, he was absolutely enraged. The situation got even worse when Paris told Tom that she'd been given tickets to meet Blake Griffin. He was an NBA player with the Los Angeles Clippers. Paris thought Tom would be excited for her to meet more people that ran in his circles. Yet it seemed like he didn't want her to talk to anyone except him and Chris. The idea that she'd go to another NBA player's meet and greet made him so angry that he sent Paris a barrage of violent messages. He threatened to send someone to rape her. He even said he would have her killed. Paris was completely blindsided and even more confused. Was this why Chris had lied about his friendship with Tom? Because he knew Tom was actually a violent maniac? If Chris knew the truth about Tom and kept it from her, that made her furious. She was sick of Chris's lies and Tom's threats. She wasn't going to put up with them anymore. She was just about to text Chris when Tom sent her another message. It was a link to a website. She clicked it and her stomach dropped. Right there, posted publicly, were all the nude photos she'd sent Chris. Alongside the images were her address and phone number. Anyone who found the website would be able to contact her. They'd know where she lived. Paris could hardly breathe. She trusted Chris. She sent those pictures for his eyes only, and he betrayed her. More importantly, she was in serious danger. Anyone who stumbled across the website would know her personal information. Random people might show up at her door at any moment. It was no longer an exciting romance. It was a nightmare. Paris didn't have any choice but to come clean. She told her mom everything that had happened, from the Facebook meet queue to the weekend in Denver to the nude photos. Paris's mom knew they needed help, She called the police. Officers from their small town listened to their story. This case was far bigger than the kind they usually dealt with. And while the authorities tried to come up with a game plan, Chris received a terrifying message of his own. In the middle of a game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, Chris's phone buzzed with an email notification. The message was ostensibly from Paris's mom. She told Chris that she knew he'd spent a weekend with her daughter, and that because Paris was a minor, their meetup had been, quote, a huge crime. Chris got tunnel vision looking at the words on his phone. Paris had told him she was 21. If he'd known she was underage, he never would have talked to her in the first place, much less flown her out to Denver. The email only got worse from there because paris was 17 all those nude photos she'd sent him were actually child sex abuse material the author threatened to go public with all of it the only way to keep the information quiet was to pay three thousand dollars in hush money it was full-on blackmail chris handed the phone to his lawyer who happened to be at the game the attorney tried to put chris's mind at ease He hadn't known Paris was underage, and either way, the age of consent in Colorado was 17. That meant their relationship was legal. But the nude photos were a far bigger problem. Chris's attorney swallowed hard. He decided it was better for the whole story to stay under wraps, so he paid the author of the email $3,000 via PayPal. Both he and Chris hoped the whole thing would just go away. Obviously, Paris and Chris's relationship was over. She thought he'd lied to her and shared her intimate photos. He thought her mom had extorted him. Their mutual attraction was replaced by utter repulsion. Paris wanted Chris in jail. Chris wanted to hide the fact that they'd ever spoken at all. For a couple of weeks, things were quiet for the NBA star. But in Southern California, police were slowly chipping away at the case. They contacted Colorado authorities and explained what was going on. On March 10, 2012, Chris was pulled over on the way to basketball practice. While authorities interrogated him, Douglas County deputies and the Internet Crimes Against Children Unit executed a search warrant on his home. They seized his personal computer, cell phones, and thumb drives, looking for further evidence of his relationship with Paris. The raid on his house caught the media's attention. Soon, news outlets uncovered his relationship. The Denver Nuggets were in the playoffs when the story broke, making the scandal an even bigger headline. Though Chris had fully believed Paris was 21, people on social media called him a pedophile. They said he should be kicked out of the NBA. In response to the public hatred towards Chris, the Denver Nuggets were forced to let him go. But that didn't extinguish the people's outrage. Chris could hardly show his face in Denver. The harassment got so bad that he had to leave the city altogether. Until then, Chris had prided himself on his reputation. He wasn't just a basketball player. He was a symbol of hard work dedication and success, but that was all gone. In one fell swoop, his career was over. His life was ruined. But as the police continued to dig for evidence against him, they realized the story was far more complicated than it appeared. Like Paris had noticed months earlier, Chris's phone number had a foreign area code His texts weren't sent from Denver, but from Canada. And the messages he got from Paris came from the same foreign number. It worked like this. Paris sent a text to the Canadian number. That number then passed the message on to Chris. The same thing happened when he texted her. In other words, neither Paris nor Chris had actually ever messaged each other. There was a middleman in their relationship. They'd never really spoken on Facebook either. They'd each been corresponding with a fake profile. Paris was talking to a catfish pretending to be the NBA star, while Chris was talking to the same catfish posing as the model. Sometimes, the catfish passed on their messages to each other word for word, but other times, the schemer made up entire stories. That's why Chris thought Paris had planned a trip to Africa and why he thought she was 21. Someone had been behind the scenes pulling the strings the entire time. They'd even managed to orchestrate an in-person meeting for their victims. They'd booked flights, convinced Paris to get on the plane, and made sure Chris was at the airport to pick her up. The catfish had enjoyed controlling the relationship, seeing how far they could make Paris and Chris go. But they pushed too far. Paris started saying no. When the catfish realized they were losing control over her, they lashed out. They posted her nude photos online and blackmailed Chris, taking out their anger onto very hurt and confused people. But now the whole truth was out, and it seemed like the police had an obvious suspect. There was only one person who'd been between Paris and Chris, Tom Taylor. A quick search revealed that there really was a professional video game player by that name. However, he lived in the United States, not Canada. So, why was he using a foreign phone number? American officers contacted the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, or RCMP. Agents ran the phone numbers. The area codes pointed them towards Easterville, a small community in rural Manitoba. Easterville had a population of about 1,700, most of whom were indigenous people from the Chimawawan Cree Nation. The area was extremely isolated, with only a single grocery store and not much else. The idea that Tom Taylor, a famous American gamer, was hiding out in a remote part of Manitoba seemed pretty far-fetched. But it was the only lead police had, so they had to follow it. Using the IP addresses associated with the fake Facebook accounts, officers honed in on a specific house in Easterville. It was a small blue home, and according to their records, Tom Taylor didn't live there. The ghost of Easterville did. Up next, the RCMP identifies the mastermind behind Paris and Chris's romance. Now, back to the story. By late 2012, both U.S. and Canadian authorities knew that the relationship between 17-year-old Paris Dunn and 33-year-old Chris Birdman Anderson had been orchestrated by a catfish. Using phone numbers and IP addresses, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police tracked the schemer to a small blue house in Easterville, Manitoba. According to records, the home belonged to a young woman named Shelly Chartier. 28-year-old Shelly was a member of the Chimawawan and Cree Nation. She lived in Easterville with her family, but aside from talking with relatives, she had very little social interaction. She was bullied as a child and dropped out of school in sixth grade to help care for her sick mother. Over time, she developed severe social anxiety and agoraphobia. She once went 11 years straight without venturing outside. Because of this, Shelly spent a lot of time on the internet. It was her connection to the rest of the world, and it didn't take long for her to realize that online, she didn't have to be an anxious, isolated woman from Easterville. She could be whoever she wanted. Shelly's situation was a classic breeding ground for a catfish. Neve Shulman, the creator of MTV's Catfish, the TV show, said about the case, Shelly is the perfect example of what happens when you mix isolation, boredom, obsession, and insecurity. You create a catfish who has the potential to destroy people's lives. Paris and Chris weren't the only people Shelly targeted either. She was a master catfisher. Over the course of three years, she had at least 11 victims. On top of pretending to be Paris, Chris, and Tom, she also masqueraded as a Playboy Bunny, a member of the Jenner family, and a famous YouTuber. Her ability to take on various identities and hide in plain sight earned her the nickname, the Ghost of Easterville. And unlike many catfish, she'd committed real crimes. She'd blackmailed Chris, distributed child sex abuse material, and threatened Paris' life. Police had more than enough to arrest her. On January 15, 2013, a group of RCMP officers traveled over icy roads into the sleepy town of Easterville. They saw the small blue house, covered in a fresh layer of snow. They knocked on the door and they were surprised to encounter the childlike woman who answered. Shelley Chartier was no more than 90 pounds, soft-spoken and shy. She didn't seem like the kind of person who would orchestrate a cruel online scheme, but the evidence was clear. She was arrested and taken into custody. On August 20th, 2015, Shelley pleaded guilty to possessing and distributing child pornography, impersonation, extortion, and uttering threats. She received the maximum penalty for her crimes—18 months in a Canadian prison. According to Shelley, the time behind bars was actually good for her. She said it forced her to learn to be more social and independent and taught her how to hold a job. But it didn't make her very remorseful. In a 2017 interview, she suggested that the scam only went so far because Paris let it. According to Shelley, Paris didn't ask enough questions and ignored the red flags. However, this is a clear example of victim blaming. Paris might have acted irresponsibly at times, but she was also only 17 years old. No matter what, she didn't deserve to have her photos and information posted online. Shelley preyed on her youth and naivete. Eventually, Shelley admitted that she probably caused Paris some quote, emotional scarring. She also said she started the catfishing scam because she was quote, stupid, but she still didn't take full responsibility for her actions. And she had even less sympathy for Chris Anderson. As soon as the truth about the case came out, he regained his former reputation. Although the Denver Nuggets fired him in 2012, he won an NBA championship with the Miami Heat the very next year. In January of 2014, he and the rest of the Heat were invited to the White House to be honored for their performance. In his speech, President Barack Obama mentioned Birdman by name. In Shelley's eyes, If Chris ended up being honored by the president, the scandal couldn't have affected him that badly. His career wasn't just intact, he was more successful than ever before. Clearly, Shelley never truly understood the emotional damage she'd inflicted on Paris and Chris. The knowledge that someone had been meddling in their relationship was horrifying because the emotions behind their fake romance were real. But who had they been attracted to, each other or the catfish? Outside of the weekend they'd spent together in Denver, it was impossible to know who they were actually talking to. Some of the messages Shelley sent were copy and pasted, others were completely made up. Chris hasn't spoken out about the case, but Paris has publicly commented on Shelly's punishment. 18 months struck her as a very short sentence. And the state of Colorado agreed. As of this recording, Colorado authorities still have a warrant for Shelley Chartier's arrest. If she were to be extradited and charged in the United States, she could face an additional 24 years in prison. Of course, Shelley hopes that doesn't happen. She's repeatedly expressed her desire to move on with her life, just like Paris and Chris, She'd rather put the whole thing behind her. At the time of this recording, Paris and Chris no longer have any kind of relationship. She continues to model and he has retired from the NBA. As for the real Tom Taylor, he's still a professional gamer. He never had anything to do with the case. He wasn't friends with Chris Anderson at all and didn't know Shelley was using his identity until it was too late. Shelley is now married to an American man named Rob Marku. He knows everything about her past and accepts it. Of all the stories we've covered in our catfishing special, this one might have the least tragic ending, but it still serves as a warning. As social networks continue to grow and we rely even more heavily on the internet, it's important to remember the dangers of the digital world. Thomas Montgomery catfished in chat rooms. Janelle Potter used emails. Shelley Chartier found victims on Facebook. Nowadays, filters, photo editing software, and deep fake technology make it even more difficult to know what's real and what's fabricated. When we go searching for information or human connection, we almost always have to sift through clickbait articles and spam accounts. Using the internet responsibly requires critical thinking, especially because, unfortunately, catfish aren't going anywhere. Loneliness and insecurity are two of the major factors that drive their behavior. As people continue to be affected by quarantine measures, work from home, and online schooling, the need for human interaction will only grow. And as long as social media sites breed new standards of filtered perfection, users will feel the need to edit their true selves. Catfish will keep swimming in the online waters, adapting as the digital space evolves. All we can do is be vigilant and remember, you can't trust everything on the internet. Thanks again for tuning in to Crimes of Passion. We'll be back Wednesday with another episode. For more information on the ghost of Easterville, among the many sources we used, we found the Dateline Mystery and ABC 2020 documentary, Hooking a Catfish, extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Crimes of Passion, as well as all other Spotify originals from Parcast, on Spotify or your favorite podcast directory. We'll see you next time, when true love meets true crime. Crimes of Passion is a Spotify original from ParCast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Scott Stronick, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Crimes of Passion was written by Karis Allen, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon and Terrell Wells, fact-checking by Haley Milligan, and research by Mickey Taylor and Chelsea Wood. I'm Lene Hobbs.
1: It's been said that love is a many-splendored thing. That is, until it's not. In season two of Criminal Couples, discover true stories of couples who turned their love lives into a life of crime. Lies and deceit are just the beginning. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Criminal Couples. Catch new episodes every Monday, free and only on Spotify.